Since 1949, the American Theatre Wing has bestowed its Best Musical Tony Award to more than 50 Broadway productions, while the COVID-19 pandemic has left us in suspense over who will take the 2020 Best Musical Tony. We'll find out in October, and allow me to say, go Jagged Little Pill, the great pop culture debate wants to look back on the winners from 1949 to 2019 and determine, what is the best Best Musical Tony winner of all time? Tits and ass can change your life, they sure changed mine. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. You're all looking at my tits now, aren't you? Well, please direct your attention to my lovely panel. He's been on 525,600 episodes. It's Curtis Creekmore. Measure your life in bitch, Eric. (laughs) I always do. In a reminder to be carb conscious, she's back from prison after stealing a loaf of bread. Please welcome back Joelle Bodecker. Two, four, six, oh, one. (laughs) (laughs) And here's to the lady who lunches. It's Kevin Dillon. Eric. Does anyone wear a hat? Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> So before we get into the debate, how does this work? We made a poll of every musical to win the Tony for Best Musical since the award's inception. Nearly 120 people took the poll. We tallied their votes, ranked their picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can! Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to Polls and Brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener brackets for this and every episode of our podcast. Do their picks match up with ours? Do you think we've reached the point of no return? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 to the Symphonic 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-ups slash part ones for each episode in which we work our way through all of round one. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and includes arguments you won't hear anywhere else. It's also only one of our great Patreon perks, so consider supporting us on Patreon today. I will put in a little side plug we just wrapped the round one for this and the arguments are really good um it i I would encourage everyone if you have not go and listen to it uh in one particular matchup three out of four of the panelists switched their vote (laughs) one of them switched it twice so um it was very dramatic much like broadway lots of jazz hands um and you should check it out if you have not already with that out of the way, let's strike up the orchestra and skip the overture and get straight to the debates. First up, 2016's Hamilton, this bracket's ultimate number one seed, said maybe not this time to 1967's Cabaret, a four seed, with a unanimous victory advancing Mr. Hamilton straight to round three. No one's changed their vote there, right? We're all for Hamilton there? Yes, yeah. correct. Yes. Yeah. R.I.P. Cabaret. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Three quarters of us were still teased by 2003's Hairspray, a three seed, but Kevin doesn't think it's time yet to sunset 1965's Fiddler on the Roof, a two seed. Joelle, say good morning, Baltimore, and goodbye, Tevia, by speaking on Hairspray, while Kevin plucks the strings of Fiddler. And I'm going to have Kevin go first. Oh, boy. I'm really shocked that I don't have Joelle on my side for this, especially during the last round when she said that everything Jewish, she would move forward. And she's moving Hairspray over Fiddler on the Roof, the musical epitome of the, uh, of the like, come on, Joelle. I'm, 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 I'm very disappointed. I, I'm nodding my head over here. I have a problem. Okay. But... <laughs> okay. 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 I'm just making sure. I'm, making sure. I'm aware okay. of my problem. Okay. Okay. So I think what's really impeccably interesting about Fiddler on the Roof, outside of the fact that it's been revived many, many, many times. One time, if I'm not mistaken, 
with Harvey Firestein and Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. Are you talking about hairspray? (laughs) No, I am not. No, but I would watch that. Pretty sure that was also hairspray. Um, I, I, I think there's really something super special about how um, culture is represented in Fiddler on the Roof. In fact, obviously Jewish culture and the, the this understanding of what it means to stick to tradition, because tradition is the song. But tradition! Yet also, tradition! But yet also to understand why you need to move away from it in some ways. Um, and I, I really think it takes... Um, the culture of these people and makes it something really fun and beautiful and delightful. Uh, and Tevi is a really interesting character, probably one of the most complex male musical characters of all time. Um, because yet he's so simple, but yet you get to explore his growth and development as a human. And and the songs are just really fun. If I were a rich man. That was Again, beautiful, everybody. Right? Thank you that was so gorgeous. much. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and I also have to plug, and I said this in round one, um, if you, this is another musical that has transcended into popular music many, many, many times. That's how iconoclast this is. And I really like Hairspray. I think it's really delightful. Either one of these would be great to advance, but I, I just think it's more important. Fiddler on the Roof has much more of a, a lasting legacy in, in its time. It's been around so long and it's still a resonant musical all, all these years. I really, Joelle? I really think I really think nope. it has to go. <laughs> sorry. I thought, I thought you were done there coming. I'm sorry. No, Joelle? I am. I am. Um, what do you got, Joel? Okay, let me start at the top here. I am a Russian heritage Jew from Connecticut. I am yep. I am I am an overweight uh happy person that also lives in Maryland and kind of likes Baltimore. <laughs> I have brown hair, you know. Anyway, the point is uh these two both speak to me on a really, really, really deep level. It's tearing you apart, Lisa. It, it truly is. Like <laughs> legit, my ancestors came over from the shtetls and whatnot over in the early 1900s. Frankly, if my grandfather was, great grandfather was Tevye, I would probably absolutely vote for Fiddler on the Roof on this one. Um, I mean, I love Fiddler. It's, it's as someone who's always fought against the traditional Jewish culture my whole life, it it speaks deep. So it's beautiful, but hairspray, (laughs) hairspray. When, when, when the first, when the movie came out, when the John Waters movie came out all those years ago, I was like, the original one. Yes, mm-hmm. the original. I mean, yeah, John Waters, right? So yeah, yeah. well, because yeah, he yeah, did yeah. the original with Ricky Lake, and then yeah. he did the musical on Broadway, and then oh, he did another movie with um, I can't remember the girl who was Marissa Janet Winokur. Is that her yeah. her name? Was he involved in the in the in the movie musical that came out after the musical? He was. He wasn't the director, but he was certainly involved okay. in it. That's fair. He was the flasher next door. Yes. Um, <laughs> Um, but that 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 movie from my childhood spoke to me. It was so weird and quirky and nothing that anyone in my family ever wanted me to watch. And I loved watching it. And when this musical arrived into the world and I was like, wait, what? I, I thought it already was a musical. I was very confused. And it is beautiful. And the dance numbers are beautiful. And uh, just the the empowerment. Like you learn about the race war, like everything that I did not understand as a Jew in Connecticut was very, very, very special to me. Um, just it's been part of my my growth, my my literal growth from childhood. Um, 
I don't I don't know how to explain why I'm picking hairspray and maybe I'm changing my mind a little bit because again it runs deep. But yeah, hairspray Go into song, that guilt, girl. Go every into song it. is a flipping bop, right? Exactly. Like I listen to that soundtrack over and over and over again. There's a there's a clear, cohesive story on like some of this, the 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 musicals we've talked about. Uh, the the growth story, the, the just the shitty villains of the show. Everything, everything's great. Everything's great. Here's the thing. I, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Do you mind if I, I was going to say? Yeah, go for it. Um, and Curtis, I want to get your opinion on this too. But as much, I, I, first of all, Kevin, I think you did a great job repping for Fiddler because I genuinely am ambivalent on Fiddler. I think it has beautiful songs and it is a beautiful show. But is it a show that excites me? Like literally never. I, I think it's it's a beautiful show, but it's not like if you said to me, Eric, you can choose. Here's a ticket to Hairspray or here's a ticket to Fiddler on the Roof. I'm going to Hairspray. But it's not all bubblegum either because Hairspray has legitimate social issues. Much the way that Fiddler was dealing with the changing culture of his time, Hairspray is all about the changing culture of America in the 1960s. It's not just the race stuff. It's also about body positivity mm-hmm. and it's about embracing like the freak within. And so I, I think they're actually both kind of heavy, pardon the pun, musicals yeah. in their own way. Um, but in terms of which one is a better Broadway show that I find more entertaining and that I um, would go back to over and over again, for me, it's, it's clearly Hairspray. Curtis? I absolutely at every every day of the week would I listen to Hairspray over Fiddler um like you can't stop the beat Good Morning Baltimore like there are just so many iconic numbers that came from that show that I mean Kevin was kind of speaking sure if I were a rich man Gwen Stefani took and turned into something different but like sure Hairspray kept the same like it, it's in the quote unquote iconoclast, but it's still hairspray. No one took that number and made it something different. It's it's still just that good. And then like you also get not only Har- Harvey Firestein in a wig, you like, eventually get Michael McKeon, Bruce Valanche, who like all of those people have played Edna Turnblatt and then eventually John Travolta. John Travolta. <laughs> but you know what? Some of the best work that he's done. It's true. Um, it's true. It's I love it. Hairspray all the time. I, I, I'm going to say this, I, and I want you all to think about this as we move forward, because I'm fine to move it forward. You all are moving a lot of 2000s musicals forward. Mm. I'm just saying this. And um, to be honest with you, most of the post 2000s musicals are not the best Tony winners. They are just not. We And I, I get it. We want fun. We want punchy. We want et cetera. But let's think about the classics. Let's I want etc. for sure. Well, I will say but, this, Kevin, I'm looking at this bracket and of the top 16, only four of them all together, I think, are from the 2000s. Nope. We've got Hamilton. We now have Hairspray. We have um, Avenue Q. Avenue Q. We have In the, the Heights, Heights, which is Hadestown. That's and it. You have Book of Mormon. Too. Book of okay, Mormon. so that's six. But uh, we still have a majority. And I hear what you're saying. No, and and uh, no, I'm just saying be don't. mindful. You don't. I was Before Kevin even started talking, I was planning to switch to Fiddler because I can't. I have to vote for it. Really? Oh, I have to. Good job. Good job. Really? So you think, you think if someone offered you tickets right now, Fiddler or Hairspray, you're going to go Fiddler? I I love seeing Fiddler. I cry. Really? I mean, it... it, it so I went with my very waspy in-laws, <laughs> my husband and I, who is a converted Jew. Uh, we 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 both cried, and they both felt nothing. So it is there is something about 
it, the connection and it's not for everyone to feel that connection. It's like similar to what you said in round one about, you know, other shows, like it wasn't for you. This show is for me and it, it yeah. goes against everything I believe in to not vote for it. But Hairspray is, boy, oh boy, that is number two to, to and I ha- else. And I have to say, Fiddler is a higher rank than Hairspray, which to be honest with you was shocking to me. It's I was a little surprised. Crazy surprised. shocking to me. In my opinion, Fiddler should be a middle tier seed. It should be a four or five. I mean, I was like, wow, all right. But to me, that shows you how powerful it is. I guess this is one of those things. And I was saying about it in round one, and I'm sure we'll get there in a second, that there's um, it's, I, I can't make myself feel something for a show if it doesn't speak to me on a deep level. Mm. And I, I, I admire the beauty. And there are some great songs in Fiddler. And I, I like the story that it's telling, but it does not resonate with me in a deep cultural way. And being a, a fat kid who was into um, interesting music and wanting to kind of expand out of my little bucolic bubble, that speaks to me. So that's why I voted for Hairspray. But that said... I understand when I'm beaten, and it looks like Fiddler will be uh, advancing to round three. Next up, we are evenly split between 1971's Company, a four seed, and 1987's Les Miserables, a one seed. I will raise a glass to Bobby and the ladies who launch by repping for Company, while Curtis storms the barricades and to demand one day more for Les Mis. Curtis, go for it. Please correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure I am, but Les Mis is, I think, one of the first, I guess, true operas? That made it on Broadway? Sweeney Todd came before it in 1979. So and everything in Sweeney Todd is sung? Yes. I don't know if that's true, Kevin. So. Uh, it. I mean, Wikipedia would say it is a sung through musical. So. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so okay. Yeah. But you know, one of the few. One of the few. Lame is ev- literally every line is sung. So I think not. Not that that makes it good, but it definitely makes it more challenging as you know a musical to do. I like lame is when you think of musicals. Like if you were to go on the street and ask somebody name five Broadway musicals, I really feel like lame is even though people would probably butcher it, is one of the names that they would probably <laughs> say. It's Les Miserables. Les, les Mis. <laughs> yeah, Les. Les Mis. That, that thing. Please welcome uh, to the stage Les Mis. Les Mis. Get on up. Or Les uh, Miserables. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's a beautiful, amazing show. Um, so, so much of the music. Like, sure, is it singable? Are you going to go about your day singing the the sad song at the beginning like oh i can't even remember any of the words right now that's how like it's it's not a super memorable musical in terms of the music but it's such an amazing show i mean even i I disagree i I hardcore disagree i think lee miss has incredibly memorable music off the top of my head i can name nine songs that i love in that musical impressive the one that i was trying to think of is called at the end of the day and that one like maybe a little less memorable than Mm, like no i think it's totally memorable Okay, cool. You're making my argument for me. Do I need to continue talking? <laughs> yes, go for it. Okay. You do. You it's do. a good show. Like, is it? It's Andrew Lloyd Webber, so I know, right? I don't Brown. think it's Webber. It's not. No? It's not. Nope. It's, it's, it's a French people. Uh, Claude, Claude Michel Schoenberg and Jean-Marc Natal. Not it yeah, feels like Android Light. It does. I'll it say that. Like a, it certainly doesn't joint. because I love it. <laughs> well, it's so bombastic. I think that's, it's got that big 
like big dick energy for Broadway, like ruffle shirts and Rococo sets. But that's just, I think the period that was the eighties babes. Like that's, that's, that's less Weber. That's more like if you were going to be on Broadway at that point, you had to have ridiculous sets and this incredible energy and belting. That was what you had to do. I'm going to make a statement that very well may be wrong. Again, I could be a, a very wrong tonight. Think of all the books and all of the movies that have been made about the French Revolution. There have been a ton, right? How many musicals have been made about the French Revolution? How many do we want? <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think the one perfect one is great. Yeah. Right. I- so that's what I'm trying to get. Like why are, people would be fighting with Les Mis if they were to ever try to take this gigantic event that everybody knows about and everybody's tried to tell a different story about. And they would be going up against this juggernaut that is Les Mis. I know that that's not necessarily, oh, this is so great. But it is. It's such a great musical. And that's why it's such a juggernaut. It's the definitive take on that particular cultural event is, I think, what you're trying to say. Yes, thank you. Here's the thing. Um, I think Les Mis is a great musical. I think it deserves to be a one seed. I was having this discussion with Kevin earlier where the music, if it was if it was just Les Mis as a concert, the music one after another, I would love it because mm-hmm. I, there's not a bad song in the show. Literally, like, can anyone think of a bad song in Les Mis? I don't like, um, oh, what's it called? Castle on a Cloud. Oh, I yeah. love Castle on a Cloud. No, I don't either. I don't. I don't either. I if also don't like child actors. You were a nine-year-old girl actors. in the nineties. You loved Castle. Yeah, I was a nine-year-old girl in the nineties, <laughs> Joelle. Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> I don't like child actors, and I hate child singers. So that one oh, was I a strike you for a me. Good, so you probably also hate little people as well, right? It, it, not my favorites. <laughs> there, are, there are better better songs well i i what i'm saying is this the music in lame is is really incredible and um my issue with lame is is i saw it on broadway in god 1999 literal back like the the very nosebleediest of the nosebleed seats the last row in the audience and i knew the music i just never seen the show and we get to the end of act one and there's little gavroche the little kid and he gets shot and that's the end of act one i was just like fucking come on like i i get it's called the name is a Roz, but i was like oh get, like give me a break man like this is depressing there's nothing funny about the revolution eric apparently um uh, know where so, eric would be what'd you say i said we know we we would know where eric would be it's true it's true house I'd be operating the whorehouse. I'd be getting my 10%. Um, but it's just one of those things where um, it's exhausting <laughs> as a show, but it's a great show too. And like, I, I fight with it because the music's amazing. It, the story is just like, ugh, like welcome to the, like where's the gas pipe, right? Um, yep. God. <laughs> but that why being company said- good, Eric? Oh, yeah, that's, I was about to go. Why company is good. Company is is actually very good. Um, company is an incredibly personal show. It's somehow intimate but still universal. Um, it's not some big old story. It's about a single guy who is surrounded by all of these couples who love him and they want him to find his partner so that he can begin his adult life. And he's not really sure what he's looking for. He's playing the field and he's maybe doesn't think he's missing anything. Maybe he doesn't think he does need a partner. Um, But then he realizes, well, actually, maybe I do. Maybe I am missing these parts of my life that everybody else seems to be having. What have they, what am I not seeing that they're seeing? And 
I think for that, like, there's a lot of resonance with that with a lot of people. I don't know mm-hmm. the details of Stephen Sondheim and why he wrote Company when he did, but I have to assume, as I don't know if he was openly gay at the time, I have to assume part of that was informed by being a gay man, dealing with all of these married people around him and having that, there's a social pressure, right? To, to, to partner up and do the married thing. Um, but he finds a way to make it when Bobby has his kind of like realization moments, there's something about it that didn't feel at all trite to me. It's a very true story. And on Broadway, that's kind of rare. Uh, in, in a lot of ways it, it nothing about it feels forced and i think there's a lot of peripheral characters that are great a lot of great music in the show um I, it's been revived a million times and it's usually successful every time it's revived there's currently a revival that actually kevin and i have tickets to in which it's gender flipped and bobby's a woman and she's being courted by all these men which i think is very interesting. Can't wait to see how that changes the, the, the overall story. But it's a great show. And so for me, this is one of those, and, and I made this point in, in part one, the voters did a great job with this bracket. Um, I, I thought that the seedings were mostly very good. I, I do still think Fiddler was overly rated, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, inter- like these are two really good shows. Both of them deserve to be here in the late eight, and, or excuse me, six, Sweet 16. And losing either one of them right now is going to hurt. So uh, Joelle, where are you on this one? Um, I don't have any attachment at all to company. Um, I, I, I learned <laughs> wow. about it. I, I'm sorry. I learned about it two months ago. I didn't know it existed before this really? bracket came out. And I listened to it a couple of times and it's, you know, Eric, you said it a couple of times. This wasn't made for me. This wasn't mm. made for me. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, I found it completely unrelatable. Hmm. It's, it's tough. Oh, um, see, and, and, and not that Les Mis is particularly relatable, but it is so fucking beautiful. Apparently Joelle I, has lived through the French revolution. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you don't know what my childhood was like. You exactly. <laughs> the guillotine did happen. <laughs> Selling my hair to send to my kids. Like, <laughs> this is but what happens. I, I have such an attachment to Les Mis. My brother introduced it to me when we were kids and he, the two of us just we sing lyrics of this musical all the time it doesn't even have to be about the revolution anymore it's just the music itself is so good it pays our debt (laughs) my thing my thing with company and i will say this company is my favorite musical of all time i think it's a stunning musical and curtis the way you relate to dear evan hansen is the way i relate to this show because it's about everyone telling and, and the reason I relate to this show is it's about everyone telling someone, and, and I feel like as, as gay men, we get to choose our lifestyles. No, sorry, I don't want to quote RuPaul. Um, uh, we get told constantly what, it's, what we're supposed to be or who we're supposed to be. And, and a lot of this musical is about, it's, it's very unique, it's different, it's about being an adult, it's about... Uh, uh, Traditionally, he's, it's actually his 35th birthday when this right. the, the, when the show starts, uh, which I'm 36. Curtis, you're close to that. Um, and and it's, about, it's about people telling you where you're supposed to be in your life, what you're supposed to be doing. And all of these people who are telling Bobby what he's supposed to be doing are deeply unhappy in their own life. Yes. And it's really kind of unpacking the hypocrisy of what life is and how to get around that. And imagine Stephen Sondheim having to deal with Elaine Stritch. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Man alive. That, 
<laughs> motherfucker is I'm shocked he made it out of it like no but I mean company is just it's really beautiful it's really touching I dare you to listen to being alive and like not cry because it is one of the most stunning songs of all time to be on Broadway um, but that's uh, that's me it's just a beautiful beautiful musical about people telling you how to live your life and and kind of trying to figure out your own path I wish someone would tell me how to live my life. That's where I am at 35. Can someone come tell me how to live my life? That's going to be your Broadway musical. We're going to write that for you. We're going to make it happen. It's but with that between company and Avenue Q. And I don't know exactly where it falls. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with a BA in French, Curtis? Um, Absolutely nothing, Eric. Well, actually, I can tell here's. You that. You successfully argue for Les Miserables because I hey, believe that I, I'm going to swing my vote to Les Mis um, because it doesn't Ooh. matter. It doesn't matter, Kevin. It, it, even if we were tied on this, know, Les Mis is a one seed. Um, but I do think in terms of what should be advancing here, Les Mis deserves to be in the Elite Eight. And company is great. And I, I, I stand by everything I said. But I think Les Mis should be an Elite Eight show for us. I uh, can't wait to argue it against it in the next round. <laughs> there you go. Three quarters of us are all step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch for 1975's A Chorus Line, a three seed, while Curtis is all Hakuna Matata in favor of 1999's The Lion King. And I realize I'm seeing this, but Curtis, I never checked. Are you pro The Lion King? Over the a chorus line, yes, but only because like I just I I did not connect with the chorus line, which is shocking. As a performer, I just never like it, it's just not my show. It's not a show that I, I I really hope I get it one day, but I don't right now. So I'm gonna go with the Lion King. All right, so the Lion King is a two seed. Kevin, God, I hope you get it as you argue for a chorus line. Curtis, be prepared to defend King. And so um, I'm gonna have. Kevin, go first. I I mean, A Chorus Line is one of the most (sighs) relatable shows. It's really about, like, Curtis, you talked about, like, wanting to constantly make it and try. And, like, it's about, like, trying so hard and trying so hard and really, like, being constantly turned away from the gate. How can you not relate to that? That's something that all of us had this experience with. And it's like, that's the business. And that's like what theater is all about. And like at the ballet, oh, at the mm. ballet. Oh, Kelly it's Bishop. such a great, oh, so good. Kelly Bishop, Tony winner, Kelly Bishop. Oh, featured actress. She's incredible. And then there is, of course, the wonderful, fantastic song that Barbara Streisand did on her her album with uh, Anne Hathaway and Daisy Ridley. I I mean, the show is it's just really, really iconic. And take a drink. <laughs> it is. Yes, I have to take a drink. It's it's just really, really so fantastic. I I I don't know how to argue even more in this direction because. Every song is, God, I hope I get it. I really want this show to advance because, <laughs> again, just for At the Ballet alone. I mean, it is it is a perfect song. It's a perfect song. So let me switch to Curtis on here. Do you have anything you want to add about The Lion King? I really, I, I truly don't know what else to add. I, I, I am I, I gobsmacked, I guess. I don't understand this argument. Like, I... I'm guessing there are all of the people who filled out the bracket at home. They're like, yeah, chorus line. Yeah. Except the Lion King is a two seed and the chorus line is a A three, three seed. What I will say, not that far off. It's not, it's not. 
And I'm like, again, I just, I have no connection to it. It's not something that I would willingly want to go see. Again, really? to, to, the, to Eric's thing. Oh. If you were to give me tickets to The Lion King or a chorus line, I'm going to The Lion King because mm. even though I've seen it before, even though I know what to expect, even though, though I know like, oh, it's people in like kind of puppeting costumes, it's still going to be an experience. And a chorus line just doesn't feel as much of an experience as The Lion King on Broadway does. Again, I am transported into one of my favorite movies of all time as a kid. I had a crush on Simba, like that kind of thing. And now I'm sitting in it. And I just don't get transported in the same way that a chorus oh, that line Jonathan did. Taylor Thomas. Oh. So speaking I mean, of speaking of Simba, I actually knew one of the Simbas. His name is Jelani. He he wasn't the original, but eventually, like down the line, he became a Simba, and that's like super cool. So I also feel like I have to rep it from that perspective too. Joel, where are you on this? Um, at the start of this, my vote was winnable, um, and I think at the end of the day, chorus line. It, it, I think, honestly, it was Curtis's um, reasoning that sent me back to a chorus line because <laughs> I'm thinking about the experience, and I feel like I've seen Lion King one time, and I've seen pictures of it, and I remember it, and it's very memorable, and I'm good. I don't need to see it again. Whereas a chorus line, every time you see it, the actors bring something new to those roles. Yes, they, they own it differently. They have you know, like they are different human beings embodying these characters, and you can feel it, and you can see it. Yeah, and and, next- da- and dance ten looks three. Dance ten looks three, man. I mean, there's a reason I picked that for my my opening line, but that that actually is a great point. And I was thinking about it when Curtis, you were talking about how like he was not the first Simba, but he's one of many Simbas. There is this incredible spectacle with the Lion King that it's impossible to top. Like, there's I don't think there's any other show on this that comes close to the visual artistry that went into that show. Um, but that visual artistry is now. Are we going on? 25 years is that fair um about yeah and i feel as though and mind you i've I've seen it twice i think on stage and obviously i'm not an expert on this i'm sure each version of rafiki brings their own unique flavor to it but you're playing rafiki and Rafiki's going to do what Rafiki's going to do. Whereas with Chorus Line, those characters are much more malleable. And I think a performer can really bring parts of themselves to it. I mean, even go and listen to the different cast recordings. The the versions of the songs are completely different. I mean, they're, they're the same song, but the inflections and the personalities they put into these stories, which were based off of actual performers on Broadway who all got together as a group and were like swapping war stories. And that's the genesis of a chorus line. Um, there's something really magical in that. And I, and I know, and Curtis, we're never going to sway you on this. And I, and I accept that. And I, and I get where you're coming from, but to me, that is something that makes chorus line unique and it makes it a, a quintessential Broadway show in a way that the Lion King, while being a spectacle is still to me, a Disney movie put onto stage, which like it or not fair or not cheapens it to me from a a Broadway perspective. And I might get in trouble for that because it's prestige uh, Mm. Disney Broadway for sure. Nothing else that they've done has come close to that, but it, to me, it is a, it's a it's a Disney movie turned into a, a musical, and that just doesn't wow me the way that real people germinating this production that has then continued for Jesus almost fifty years. That that is very special to me. So, um, Curtis, you're sticking with Lion King. Yeah, he's sticking with it. <laughs> and uh, do, Joel, are you with Chorus Line? Yes. And Kevin, uh, Chorus Line. 
Okay, so we are advancing that. Sorry, Lion King. Uh, we have another even split, this time between 1986's Rent, a one seed, and 2004's Avenue Q, a four seed. Curtis, explain why the internet is not just for porn. It's also for arguing with people you've never met. And yell at Joel, who wants to light candle, or excuse me, Rent's candle, <laughs> so that it can keep living lovey by him. And I'm going to have uh, Joel go first. Oh my God, do I even have to defend Rent? It is. <laughs> We're actually evenly split. Really? Yeah. I, again, this goes back to like, this was the right time, the right age for me. But, you know, middle of the 90s, I was in high school and every person I knew was in love with the show. I grew up in Connecticut. Everyone took their trip to New York at some point to go and see it. My freshman year in high school, I saw La La Boheme, the actual opera, and everyone kept asking questions about rent at La Boheme. (laughs) That was how specific it was. And it was like this modern take on La Boheme, but it wasn't rent. it is an incredible story, just how it got made, right? The whole story of Jonathan Larson is heartbreaking. Yeah. The actual story, the, 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 the 90s feel of everything. At the time it was created, it was authentic and it felt like what it was to live in that neighborhood in the 90s. And now you look back and it feels like this perfect, it just pulled right out of the 90s and into right now and you could still watch it and feel it. I think the performances of the original Broadway cast are just... Uh, just you can't I mean, how, you can't like they are just they are agree. they are so good and Daphne Rubin Vega was recently in, in the Heights movie and she was she was a fucking delight in that she was great in that she was fantastic um I I just I I don't know I love I love everything about the original the original rent and that's that's what we're talking about here but the the productions they've made over the years there have been some shitty attempts like the movie like the live one but if you just go and see it live somewhere on stage it is still really good and the music and that 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 song that everyone knows by heart the 500 minutes it's it sticks you know you you don't forget that number the every time they sing it it just warms your little heart uh rent it's, it's, yeah, that's it. I'm going to stop. Curtis. I have no heart. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Shock. Um, so this was probably one of the most difficult choices for me to make because I, I truly love Rent. I do. I have performed so many of those songs at karaoke nights. Like, I love to sing it. I think I, I really do love the music. I love the story. I love everything about it there is nothing well no i will not say that because as i rudely interrupted joel i disagree that the original broadway cast is flawless um and i actually think unfortunately it is daphne rubin vega that i don't like was she the one that played mimi in the original yes. cast yeah yeah i hate her voice so i'm glad that i, I love it joel i'm right there with oh, you she has no that i love it i love i love she it that too. raspiness hate it oh, better than rosario dawson in yes. the movie no yes no ma'am <laughs> yes absolutely yes. not yes. right there I with will, you joel i on my <laughs> deathbed i will remember this conversation <laughs> oh. and i will repoet what i am about to say rosario joel, dawson can you win? Can, are we ready need to whisper? You need to whisper to him on his deathbed. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> no, I, I disagree. It's I, I mean, what are you going to say? Like we have a disagreement. Right. But <laughs> Avenue Q in, uh, I think it was 2004. It must have been the year that it came out. I was an RA in college and I met my best friend, Maggie Hartman, because at RA training, 
we went around and there were God, 80 of us. So it took forever. But the icebreaker was what song best describes you or like what you're going through. And at that point, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. So when I stood up, I said, um, right now, what do you do with the BA in English is the song that best represents my <laughs> life because I literally have no idea what I'm going to do. And then I sat back down and Maggie walked over to me afterward and she was like, I have two tickets to see Avenue Q. Do you want to go? And that's how I met one of my best friends. Now, that's not a reason to say that this is the best musical ever, but it just speaks Correct. to why this musical means so much to me. Fuck you, Kevin. Um, <laughs> the musical itself, it's just, it's so, so funny. It's so well done. And it's puppets. Like it takes the idea of Sesame Street that we all grew up with and loved and flips it on its fucking head. Puppets have sex on stage. And there's a puppet that is played by, or I guess it emulates, um, fuck, I totally forgot his name. Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman singing about it, about how you can be as loud as the hell you want when you're making love. And I wish they could have said fucking, but they did. Pretty sure Gary Coleman was a, played by a person. Yes, it was a puppet. Was, yes. yes, that is correct. Not a puppet, a, a live, usually live, female live actress. Woman. Usually yes. female, correct. Usually female actress playing Gary Coleman, which again is just so funny. I, I, this is a really, really hard one, but I still have to vote for Avenue Q. Just because it means so much to me. Kevin, you, are you Kevin. still with Avenue Q? <laughs> Sorry, I'm switching to Rhett. Um, because and the I reason said fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> no. Okay, so I actually thought about this the other day. I was out at uh, the Albatross Plug Queen's Bar in New York City. And um, there was a drag performer on stage. And a Rent song came on. In my head, I was like, ugh, Rent. And then I'm like, why did I... Why did I turn on this musical that I loved and that was a favorite of mine and that I was like, oh, is this too... I, I feel like I turned on it in the cliche way you turn on something. You're like, I heard this too much and like, it's just doesn't resonate the same way. And like, the thing is, is like every time you hear songs, songs, not even just a song, but many songs from that show, Tango Maureen, La Vie Boheme, um seasons of love, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on. Um, You just sing out loud, Louise. Like you do, like it just, it happens and we all do it. And it is just that show. And I, I don't know. It still is a show that makes me the first boy I ever was in love with. His name was Angel. My God. (laughs) I mean, I am. That is a worse argument than the one that I made. (laughs) I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. But that's why I connected to it many years ago. And that's like, the show is, again, a sing-along show. Like, it is a resonance. It is a resonant show. And it's it's the show I'm going to go with because it is, it has those moments. It has the songs. It has the artistry. And, and some of the best, honestly, best Broadway performers to come out of it of all time. It, I mean, that cast was stacked. Like it, it yeah. really accelerated. Yeah. Like virtually half that cast became superstars after that show. So yeah, um, I'm going with Rent. 
here's my thing. I, um, I'm going to save my arguments why I vote for rent until later because it's going to advance. But it, it, this one is a heartbreaker for me because I adore Avenue Q. And if if you know things it's were different, one. I would have gladly have had Avenue Q in my top four in my final four. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it is a. It's not on top of everything Curtis said, which is all true, and he did a really good job with it. It's a smart show. It is a subversive yes. show. He pointed out that it's very funny, and it is. And I think it moved the needle for Broadway and in, in a lot of ways where something like Book of Mormon could not happen without Avenue Q. Uh, I, I just don't see that happening. Um, but I can't, I, and I'm not, I'll say I'm going to save my argument, but Rent to me is on a completely different level from an artistic standpoint. And I, I cannot take that out in round two I can, or three, whatever we're in. Um, so with that said, one rent- final quick thing. I know I'm not going to change your votes, but I do yes. want to say in the warm up, Eric talked about um, his experience with a whole bunch of Karen Americans walking out <laughs> of what show was it? Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening, right. I had the exact same thing happen to me in Avenue Q. In the show that Maggie and I went to, there were a bunch of blue hairs, four old people sitting in front of us who were probably season ticket holders who did not know what they were getting themselves into. And halfway through when the puppets were fucking on stage, they stood up (laughs) and left. Ugh. Amazing. Classic. But like, also, let's just say the music in, in Avenue Q, every song is great. So every good. song is great. So and they're all very different, too. Um, it, it That show, nothing but flowers for Avenue Q, but I can't advance it over Rent. Uh, next up, in a battle of almost total opposites, Three Seed, The Sound of Music from 1960 <laughs> is up against 2008's In the Heights, a two seed. Kevin will take up for The Heights, and I guess I'll be the only goat herd for Sound of Music. So, Kevin, go for it. I have to defend In the Heights. Uh, you know me as the person who has seen The Sound of Music probably 15 times. Not the musical, of course, but the movie. And is a big fan of the music from the original Broadway show. Um, but what I will say about In the Heights is it was the birth of one of the modern theater voices that we have that exists today, which is Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I know there's an interesting sort of backlash against him, but what this show did, this show, what a lot of people don't know about this show was this show was in the works for a really long time. I think he started working on this show in like the late, yeah, it was really early. And it wasn't until he eventually partnered with Thomas Kale and Thomas Kale is a person who directed, um, the um, Fosse Verdon TV show, Mm. um, which um, Lin-Manuel Miranda produced as well. They formed this relationship that really combined their love of theater. And I think that's what you get within the Heights. You get this passion and love of the theatrical experience. When I say theatrical, I mean Broadway theatrical experience, but it's a, it's a different group of people. It's a different story that we've never seen told before he adds the the experiences of Latinx folks living in a specific community, talking about what it means to be part of a community and how to fall in love. It, it takes all a lot of the traditional Broadway tropes of love, community, family, tradition to go back to Fiddler on the Roof and, and how you have to kind of figure out your way through and around them. And, you know, I think this show has some of, I know some folks 
don't know this show as well, but I think it has such memorable songs to it that really elevate and allow this to be a long lasting impact. I said this, I've said this before, I enjoy In the Heights more than Hamilton, but I also like, because it's a little bit more concise and a little bit more heartfelt um, when it comes to book and story married together. Um, But I really like In the Heights, and I think it's just a genuinely special show about community that exists that you get a window into. And and I think that's really, I remember getting tickets to this show many, many years ago and being so excited and seeing Robin DeJesus on stage and really just blew my mind. And I, I love, love, love this show. And I lived in Washington Heights. Not that that means anything. I didn't live into Washington Heights until 10 years after late, much later after I saw the show. But, um, you know, it, it was a community that I lived in and that I also got to experience and, and the show captures it very nicely. And it, it does a really, really, really good job of making that special relationship to the community and the music there. So Kevin, you did a very good job arguing this because, um, if you listen to part, part one, I was, I was pretty harsh on in the Heights and I will stay by my initial or, or overarching statement, which is that it's not a show that's made for me, right? Like I, I, it's uh, sure. the way that Fiddler does not resonate with me on a personal level in the Heights doesn't resonate with me on the personal level. That doesn't mean that I lack feeling or I yeah. can't empathize with other communities. I, I believe I'm clearly able to do that. Um, but my core issue, two core issues within the Heights, I maintain, I do not think that the music in, in the Heights is, is memorable by and large. I simply don't understand that argument. I, I have seen it on stage. I've seen the movie. I couldn't hum three bars from a single song and it, I'm not saying it's bad. It's not, it's just, it's not memorable for me. And beyond that, I think why this show is important is not because of the show. It's because of its place in Broadway history as a building block for someone who is now kind of the ascendant voice on Broadway. And that's very welcome. And I'm glad that he's bringing in a whole different audience and it's, it's authentic and it's not forced. This, all of this is completely legit. Right. And I'm glad to see that, but I don't think the show itself is actually that great. Um, you were talking about how it's, and, and this actually was making some headway with me where you're like, it's telling the story of this community trying to navigate these questions about um, relationships and their place in the world, et cetera. And I guess I can see that. But when I'm watching this thing, I'm watching Uznavi, whose entire plot is, I want to abandon everything that my family worked for in the United States and sacrificed for so I can move back to the country they abandoned and take over a, an old shack that was obliterated by hurricanes. That's well, the plot. It, no, the plot is about a guy who doesn't think he belongs in his community, even though he really does. And like he is not understanding that he... He's a naive person. He doesn't get that what his family came to the United States. It's almost an updated version of West Side Story where it's like he's essentially almost like a child of these people who were like, I came to America for all these great opportunities. And Usnavi is the, the child of one of those folks who's like, they came for all these great opportunities, but like, what did what did we get? A corner store that's being iced out because of gentrification. Is that what my family fought for? I don't understand why I'm supposed to stay here. Am I supposed to stay and fight? What does staying here and fighting looks like? How does someone who looks like me stay here and fight? 
And I think that's what it's about. And in the end of the musical, spoiler alert, he stays uh, because he realizes that it is about fighting. It's about creating and making sure that that inroad for your voice, your space is there and leveraged on a regular basis. And that's what the show is about. And, And I will give you this. It doesn't necessarily lend to that all the the time. So I will give you that. And I think there are flaws to the book and in the Heights. I think that that that's its biggest problem. There are flaws. Kevin, your explanation was like 10,000 times more successful than that show has been either time I've seen it because I'm like, how are you not getting this? Like, how is the, what is going on in your life? I mean, Vanessa's like, I'm going to go and buy a very expensive apartment in midtown Manhattan, even though I have no actual job prospects (laughs) and I'm getting upset because the realtor will not give me a lease for this yuppie building. Are you kidding me? Like it's just, to me, I'm just like, there's a level of cluelessness that I'm just like, I I can't, these characters don't resonate with me. But again, this show is not made for Eric. This show is made for a different community. And for, for that community, they're like, yes, I see myself in this, but um, I think you did a really good job explaining it. It it actually made me soften towards the musical, but I I maintain the, the opinion I had when I walked out of the theater, when I saw it in the theater and the opinion I had when I finished watching the movie, when it came out a few weeks ago, I think it's a very thin, story i think that the music is not something that i find um memorable even though it's interesting and different and i'm glad that that's there but i think it is important for broadway to get us to hamilton but the show itself does not work for me in in really any way that i find the fact that it's a two seat is it a two seat it's a two seat it's a two seat that's bonkers to me and Curtis mentioned this. I don't think it was actually we were recording, but Curtis was like, I'd be curious to know if In the Heights would have placed as high had we not been doing the polling for this during the like heavy promo push for the movie. I I I, I don't know. But the fact that it's a two seat, I just I simply I say I, I, I say yes because of the Lynn Manuel Miranda effect. Yeah. People still love him and it's powerful. And I I like Lin Manuel Miranda. I, I I like virtually everything he does. I think this to me is a starting point for him, but it's nowhere close to what he's capable of doing in Hamilton and other totally. projects. So that being said, I've said my piece. Joelle, you're sticking within the heights. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I did have one correction because Kevin, I'm sorry, I interrupted you earlier. He did oh, start no, writing fine. it in 1999. It's yeah. I was going to say I thought it, I thought it was yeah. Early it was 90, when he was in Wesleyan 90s. and he was writing it then. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's two. So we are advancing it regardless. Curtis, are you on Sound of Music with me? Yes, but it obviously does not matter. Right. So In the Heights is advancing to round three. Bonkers to me, but here we are. Um, and we'll just say this about The Sound of Music. I didn't want it to advance. I, I It was up against The Music Man in round one. I preferred The Music Man. The Sound of Music is a classic. It is, uh, everybody knows it. It's got great songs. Uh, it's... <laughs> Yeah. Ringing endorsement, uh, Eric. You've done such a good job. Punching Nazis, singing nuns, um, goat, goat herds. I will say, I precocious will say, children. Curtis and Michael got married on the um, family estate in Stowe, Vermont. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's so right. So when they escaped in the movie slash musical, when they escaped, they came to the United States. They came to Vermont to, I think it's around Stowe. I'm pretty sure it's in Stowe. And that's where I got married technically. So Aww. they ate two of the lesser known children. They never speak about them again. It's fine. Everybody's great. 
singing all right so we're moving on in a battle of creepy dudes trapping young women in the dark dank places we have 1988's phantom of the opera a four seed and 2019's hades town a one seed i will explain why the phantom of the opera is still in my mind while joelle waits for me to come to my senses and support hades town so um joelle do you want to go first uh sure sure this musical is unlike anything else i've ever heard so that's where I'm starting from. Town is just, I know I say beautiful a lot. If you listen to the first round, I said it like a hundred times, but this music is just, and maybe it's just, I'm not exposed to this type of music all the time. Cause it's, it's kind of this folk meets gospel meets soul kind of combination. Um, it's also one of the most classic stories, something else I'm not very familiar with, but I got to read and learn about Orpheus and Eurydice because of learning about this musical. And I recently found the YouTube video of a live production of it and just watching it, just this really simple stage that they have. The staging is incredible. It's like the rotating circular thingamajigs and they're going down to hell all the time and coming back up and there's this like descending thing in the middle of the stage they do such a good job with such simple staging um andre de shields is a freaking legend i you know i'd only he's been around for a bajillion years but i had never heard of him until now and now i've been learning about him uh he i won't say he carries a show because there's so many great voices but his voice is I- iconic drink uh to this <laughs> show like you cannot not, you can't not have his you know dancing legs and introduction is his, his hermes is just it's just beautiful and then watching the just the heartbreaking story of eurydice uh of orpheus and eurydice and learning about like what actually happens in the end and i'm not spoiling it because it's still pretty new and people deserve to see it for themselves um though it is a very old story so right, I pick up a book what <laughs> The spoiler shouldn't shouldn't super be relevant here, but I still, you know, if it's new to you like it was to me, watching the ending just crushes. It's a crush. That's all I'm going to say. It just crushes you. So um, as Joel pointed out, Town is still pretty new. It's the newest one on here, and I have not had a chance to see it before I filled up my bracket. Subsequently, I went and I was listening to all the original cast recordings and I fell in love with the original cast recording. But it felt, and I said this in round one, it felt inappropriate for me to vote for something and put it forward if I haven't actually seen it. Whereas I have seen, what am I, Phantom. (laughs) (laughs) The other one. The other one. Um, one. But I, so I I think Town is amazing and I'm completely fine if it advances. I think it's a very special show and I think it has the potential to be something that is on Broadway for a very long time and I'm very eager to see it once it comes back it's one of the the first ones that is is returning uh, after COVID but so I I do want to speak on Phantom because it is a four seed which I actually think is kind of low because Phantom is Broadway for like the entire 90s like Phantom is like one of the quintessential Broadway shows and say what you want about Andrew Lloyd Webber but he has been a fixture in on Broadway for almost five decades and this is one of his best I Kevin and I will argue we did in round one is it this is it a Vita is it Starlight Express Trains in Love who can say but um, I think Phantom is, is the music in Phantom is great the book is not terrific what is that? <laughs> um it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense in parts but um 
it is a spectacle. Like that chandelier moment. It's corny as all get out, but my God. Sorry. It's like, well, no, but like, that's true. Like that's the like, people went to the theater just to see the fucking chandelier fall on them, right? Best screams on Broadway. Best screams. <laughs> that's a very good point. But I also think like that soundtrack, the, the score for Phantom is great. You've got Think of Me, Point of No Return, Angel of Music. Like every one of them is a great song and they are legitimately great songs. Um, so I think people dismiss Phantom. I think they dismiss it unfairly. It is very much a dated musical. It feels 80s, right? There's mm-hmm. there's something about it that like it's 80s, 90s, and anything after that. Like seeing the Phantoms in the 2000s, how does it even make sense? But it is quintessential Broadway for the late 20th century. So I did want to put that out there. Kevin, where are you on this? Well, there's a reason that, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? Eric, I'm, I'm take away my gay card. Who directed the movie? Schumacher? Yeah, there's a reason Joel <laughs> Schumacher was the only person who could direct this film. Absolutely. Um, he's basically bec- Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, because <laughs> he's the film yeah. version of Andrew Lloyd Webber. But I could sit through one of his movies um, and I <laughs> enjoy them. Um, my God, St. Elmo's Fire is a mess. That's another topic. <laughs> Um, but anyways, I am book. I am voting for Hadestown. Um, I, I get it. Phantom of the Opera is literally, it, it's almost like American Psycho, the musical. Like it really is. Um, but New he's pretty idea. American, American Psycho. Psycho, the musical. <laughs> I, think they, I, I, I actually think they, tr- I think they tried they it. Yeah. They absolutely um, did. Yeah. It's, it, it was on a list of horror musicals when I was looking that up earlier. Yeah, it exists. Um, you know what we need more of Carrie the musical, which is really fantastic. Anyways, um, I'm voting for Hades Town just because I just think it is just such a spectacularly staged show. It is the singing, everything around it is is just such a great. I, Eric, I can't wait for you to get to see it. Um, I want to see it again. It's and what one of the things that's very interesting about this show is you'd expect it having won its Tony maybe not per se to have lasted as long as it did on Broadway, but it remained very popular. It remained very popular and has continued to do very well. And it's a show that I think people are like clamoring for post pandemic. That is fascinating to me. Well, on top of it. mm, Exactly. And it's touring and it's doing very well in its tour. And, you know, I just can't deny it. It's so while, it's a story we know to Joelle's point, but yet it's so original and so well done. And the singing, oh my God, wait for me. It's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I love it. Curtis, are you on Hadestown or are you on Phantom Hair? I am surprisingly on Hadestown. Oh, good. Um, I, yes. I felt bad because I literally don't think any of your picks had advanced this round. <laughs> they haven't. Thank you. For Would you me. like some salt for that wound? Um, Just a little. No, I would like to point out that The Phantom is the longest running Broadway musical ever. It is. And it, it beat is. Cats, I think. It beat Cats. Wow. It did? It has 13,370 yep. performances, which is just insanity. Um, I yep. will save my Hades Town stuff for later because it is it's stunning. Great. So we are advancing Hades Town, and I'm completely fine with that. Again, if you have not seen the show, go ahead, l- listen to the soundtrack. I was completely captivated within 30 seconds. It's beautiful. So uh, moving on, three quarters of us bowed down to the All-American Prophet of 2011's The Book of Mormon, a three seed. I can't. 
While Kevin wanted blood and revenge via 1979 Sweeney Todd, a two-seed, Kevin, not for the first time in your life, make the most of a little priest and stump for Sweeney, while Curtis works to turn it off and push Mormon further. Uh, I'm going to have Kevin go first. I will take razor blades out. Um, Just saying, and we'll cut some throats for this one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I don't get it. The Book of Mormon has that intro song that everyone, hello, my name is da da da. After that, the show just becomes amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I was really, oh, are you yeah. crazy? I don't like Book of Mormon. I think it's, what? I don't. I I don't like Matt and I don't like Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I don't think they're that funny. I don't get it. It is not a show for me. To you all, to all of your points, like I just don't like the Book of Mormon. I don't. I've seen it. It's fine. But I think it's derivative of everything that other shows like it were doing at that time. And it just, it, I, I just don't find it that funny. I'm sorry. I don't. I think Andrew Rannells is great. I also, I've seen um, uh, recordings of it with Josh Gad. I literally, if you, if you want to put someone in front of me, two people in front of me who I literally loathe with a fiery passion. They are both James Corden and Josh Gad. I can't stand either of them. Um, I really don't like them. And like, I don't get it. I just, it's not for me. It's not funny. But for me, Sweeney Todd is, uh, I'm supposed to be defending Sweeney Todd. So let me do that. Um, I I think for me, Sweeney Todd is a show that is actually original. And, and while it is based on um, a Penny Dreadful story, um, from the 1800s, it is it is something that is very rare to this day. I know I was talking about Carrie the musical, and we were talking about horror musicals a little bit ago. It, it, it well, it isn't necessarily horror horror, but it it is as close as you're going to get in mainstream horror. And you're cutting out Sondheim on me again. We are mm. literally we have a bracket with no Sondheim advancing, while we have wow. Matt Park. Matt and Tr- whatever the hell their names are from <laughs> South Park advancing in a bracket. I'm sorry. Like you guys are advancing shows that just are fine to me. I just don't get it. It's not for me. It's not that original. While as Sweeney Todd is incredibly original, incredibly weird, incredibly offbeat. Some of the best performances from Angela Lansbury, from Len Carew in the original production and then has been replicated uh, at least four or five times. Where's the Book of Mormon? It's, it's still not- playing. Right. Is it? Is it coming? Yes. Uh, listen, I'm sure it will come back at a certain point, but it had been on Broadway nonstop since it debuted. Like, yeah. it doesn't need well, a, a revival because it's still well, selling tickets. Yeah. Well, because cr- still, Christian, Christians, Christians keep coming to Broadway and seeing it because they're stupid. I'm sorry. I can't defend that. What? Sorry. I, I just, it, I really don't like the show. And so you're not going to win me over on that. And if y'all want to advance a derivative comedic musical, have fun with that one. I find it amazing that you're calling it derivative when it is in fact an original story. And while it certainly takes inspiration from each of its songs, from other musical styles that are in the Broadway kind of realm, I don't think that's derivative. I think it's playing on broadway like it's itself a statement on broadway Mm -hmm. right like that's part of its charm is it's like little winking nudge jokes into broadway's success but i'm not the person that's uh pushing this one it's curtis so i'm gonna let you take it i i don't think that i really have to at this point like it's you don't 
I, I I also don't understand anything that Kevin was saying. I don't think that there was anything else that was doing what Book of Mormon did at the time that it was doing it, or that has really done it since. Like, Avenue Q, the producer. That was 2004. And like you're naming all of the things. Book of before, Mormon is better than all three of those. And yeah, I don't absolutely is. I don't think the Book of Mormon is trying to do anything remotely close to what the producers or Spamalot are trying to do. No, I don't even think they're in the same universe. That's the only thing. They were being subversive. subversive. They're being subversive. Yeah. So you're just going to lump everything that is possibly subversive together, which is just not well, fair, that's, Kevin. It's that's just, what happens when Broadway, Broadway lather rinses or repeats. That's what they do. And that's how this got greenlit. And that's how it made it to Broadway. I mean, I'm not wrong on this. I, I, that's the, you every, can't deny that that show wouldn't have come if those shows didn't come before it. Sure. Every good thing in, in Broadway references things that came before Hamilton has 9 million references in it. Like, like sure. It, and that's it, why I don't think that Hamilton is. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I just don't think that that makes it a good show. So I'll say this. As of right now, Book of Mormon is advancing over Sweeney Todd. The the really compelling argument, frankly, that you made for me, Kevin, is that we have no Sondheim going into the Elite Eight. And that yeah. bums me out. Same. But we also don't have any Andrew Lloyd Webber going into the Elite Eight. Oh, thank God. Um, well, that's taste. <laughs> but, you know. But, like, if we're talking about, like, iconic Broadway composers, when I'm looking at this list, most of them would not really fall on that and and I don't think any of those are wrong. I do think that Kevin has a point in that Book of Mormon is compared to the other ones in the Elite Eight a little bit. It, it's recent. It's not as heavy a subject matter as Sweeney Todd. And I, I have no objections to Sweeney Todd. I think it's a great show. But again, I find myself here's two tickets you have to choose: Sweeney Todd or Book of Mormon. I'm probably going to go Book of Mormon. Um, Regardless, let's. What are the what are the um, seeds here? Uh, Sweeney Todd is a two, and Book of Mormon is a three. Yep. So if I swung my vote to Sweeney Todd, it would advance. Correct. I adamantly disagree with that choice. Okay, let me hear it. I want to hear this argument. It's just overall a better musical, especially from the music. Like Kevin was saying that Hello is the only song that's good. No, ma'am. Every oh, I, single one of those songs. No one sings any bigger. one of those other songs. No. no one sings them. But you're, never, crazy. You're, you're crazy. You're crazy. I'm, telling, I'm you're making you things up off. again. Orlando. <laughs> Listen. Sorry, it's, I'm just going to they, they sing that. <laughs> when I No, when I go to a show tunes night, no one... No other song pops up but Hello. That's the only song that pops up. And why would anyone do Hello? Todd are showing up, Kevin. Nothing. No one wants to listen to someone talking about cutting their throat. The worst pies in London. The worst pies in London, Joanna. I mean, there are a lot of really good songs in the show. Not While I'm Around is actually lovely. Not Just putting that around. out there. It's gorgeous. But uh, like, Kevin, I, I'm sorry. First of all, why anyone would sing Hello in a, a, a karaoke night, it's like a 20-part no, 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 no. song. I'm not, I'm not no, saying show karaoke. Tunes, no, no, I'm saying a show tune. Show tunes. tunes. I'm sorry. Thank you. But, yeah, not karaoke. Can, so can I judge just yes, one thing? Get I in here. Up, and this is, I don't even know if this is going to resonate with any of you, but in that very terrible movie, Jersey Girl, many years ago, mm. there was that scene where Ben Affleck and his very adorable daughter uh, performed Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, In yes, front of yes, the yes. school musical, or in front, in front yes. of the entire school. And that was my first 
awareness of Sweeney Todd. And I was like, what the hell is this musical? And if, if all Sweeney Todd was as campy and as funny as that, I could really get into it. But a lot of the Sweeney Todd I've encountered is just far too serious and far too much of a bummer. And I, I don't know, it's not sometimes best, right? Like I was looking back if, if, my least favorite uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera had not won in 1988. Into the Woods probably would have. Mm. I was just wondering. That where is that a conversation was. to be having. Yeah. But it sure. lost to Phantom, and that sucks. Yeah. Jo- Joelle, I'll give you that Sweeney Todd is low low on my list for Sondheim yeah. as well. I'll give you that. So yeah. if we're going mean- like to elevate it because Sondheim, it's not really even all that Sondheim to me. That's a really good point, Joelle. Because that's the that's main true. reason I'm that's advancing true. it. That's that honestly, because I'm like, oh, it's not fair to ha- not have Sondheim. But again, like most of the major composers are not in this elite eight. We're talking about shows, not composers. Right. And it's a great point that Sweeney, when you look at like I, the overall Sondheims, it's it's not even in my top five. And I will also say, in defense of Book of Mormon, um, Robert Lopez was involved in that, and he has a little bit, a little bit more cachet. I know he's Mr. Frozen and all, but I was going to say that's a little bit more like cachet than from Frozen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's him. It's him. I'll I'll just say, if you look at this Elite Eight, Book of Mormon stands out like a sore thumb, in my opinion. It really just does. I I think In the Heights stands out just as sore. And so this is one of those things where we're going to have to disagree because, in my opinion, those two shows are uh, uh, in in the same ballpark in terms of their disposability. I guess I would say. Um, but with that said, I think we're three to Book of Mormon to yeah. Wanda Sweeney yeah. Todd. Well, so depends on you, Eric. Are you Book of Mormon? I'm, I'm going to stick with Book of Mormon. I think, Joel, you did an excellent job diffusing the argument. So, <laughs> Kevin, you can take that out on her later. Thanks. Yeah, yeah sure will. <laughs> yeah, guess what? Les Mis is going out in the <laughs> And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes round two. The reviews are in, and it looks like we're closing on opening night. We need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You've listened to the debates. Now it's your turn to join the panel as the great pop culture debate goes live. Join us Saturday, September 18th, 1 to 3.30 p.m. at the Alley Bar in Boston, Massachusetts for our first live event. Topic is best pop music diva. Is it Britney, bitch? Are we living in a material world? And are you a material girl? Or is Diana Ross still the boss? You decide by voting on each matchup live and making impassioned arguments as to who should advance. And the price? Like Lady Gaga, it's a free bitch, baby. So come on down, 21 and over, Saturday, September 18th. Check greatpopculturedebate.com for more details. Let's go, girls. Are you a fan of musicals? Do you sing along with the soundtrack or film? Do you enjoy discussing what the musical really means? Then come and listen to On the Way to the Forum every Monday to share the same experiences, laugh, sing along, and learn about different stage musicals. Join me, Ethan, and my good friend Javier, and the occasional special guest as we discuss and debate different musicals, both good (laughs) and bad. Follow us on most social media outlets such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to us on most podcast platforms such as Anchor.fm, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Happy listening!
and we are back for round three of our best Tony winner for best musical debate. Before we go into the Elite Eight matchups, I'm going to ask my panel, where can people find you on your social media so that they can yell at you and not just me? Curtis? <laughs> uh, I am at Kurt Itch, C-U-R-T-I-T-C-H. It is a stupid thing that I came up with in college on pretty much everything. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, probably also Facebook, or maybe that's my name. I don't know. Find me somewhere. It's fine. I wish I could go back to college. Uh, Joelle, where can people find you? Uh, well, if you want to yell at me about this, I'm at Joel TB on Twitter. But if you want to listen to a podcast about Animal Crossing, and I know you do, uh, the Pocket Pod uh, is on, also on Twitter, and you can find our links for episodes there. Amazing. And Kevin, where can people find you? Well, they can find me talking about musicals that are made before 2000 at <laughs> E.T. Kevin's Mind on Twitter. Uh, Any place else they can find you? Uh, if they want to thirst follow me, they can find me on Instagram at Kevin underscore Dylan underscore 23. That's also a great, a great space to find me. Were you Perfect. the 23rd Kevin Dylan on Instagram? <laughs> Is that how that works? No, it's my first address when I was a kid. Mm. Oh, there you go. No. Uh, congratulations on whoever just stole Kevin's identity. You can find me. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram. That's uh, Eric, E-R-I-C, R-E-Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y-A-K. Or you can just message at Great Pop Culture Debates on Instagram or at culture underscore debate on Twitter. Talk about mistakes. I don't know why we decided to do that for our Twitter handle, but here we are. Uh, so now that we're we're done with all that, let's move into the rushed third act and build to the big show-stopping finale. On to the matchups of round three. It is Hamilton versus Fiddler. We're going to go around the horn real quick. Joelle, where are you on this? Uh, just because I know it's not going to win, I'm voting for Fiddler. Mm, that's a dangerous position to take. Uh, Curtis? How embarrassing this is. Um... I will go with Hamilton, I suppose. Kevin. I'm so tempted to also go with Fiddler on the roof. <laughs> Although it won't win because um, Eric will go with Hamilton. And it's a um, one seed. And it's a one seed. So I'm also going to go with yes. Fiddler on the roof, actually. Yes. You yes. all are insane, and that's okay, <laughs> yep. because it doesn't matter. Hamilton will advance. It is a one seed, and I'm absolutely voting for that over Fiddler. I'm so glad to finally be done with that particular one. How? Uh, how did, move, once again, once again, I must ask, how did Fiddler make it and make to, it to the elite seed and eight. to the Elite Eight? Yes. <laughs> elite, I, I'm, I'm baffled, but here we are. We got rid of it. It's done. Tradition! Tradition! Uh, next up, it's Les Miserables. Do you want to... Correct me on that. You Curtis? actually did it right that time. Good. Thank you. Ooh, Versus you go, Eric. a chorus line. I can't wait to hear how this is going to go down. <laughs> I'm going to start with Curtis. Why? You already know what the answer is, Eric. <laughs> a chorus line. No. <laughs> Miserable. Les Miserables. All right. Uh, Kevin. A chorus line. Okay. Joelle. Oh, the only French I know is Les Miserables. So that's, that's the one. <laughs> I'm also going Les Mis here. Um, we've spoken a lot about Chorus Line, and I, I think anyone who's listened to, especially part one, uh, understands how much we respect that show. But in terms of Broadway, like Broadway, I'm giving it to Les Mis. Uh, next up, it's Rent versus In the Heights. I'm um, preparing my claws. Uh, I'm going to have <laughs> Kevin go first. Uh, I, I'm going with Rent. All right, Joelle. Yeah, I'm going with Rent. I love In the Heights and I will love it forever. But Rent is Rent is longer, better, Curtis? wonderful. 
Longer, better, wonderful. That's what I'm looking for in a man. Curtis. <laughs> Cover girl. Um, <laughs> rent, obviously. Yeah, that's that's unanimous. Um, and good for In the Heights for making it to the Elite Eight. Good for her. I mean, without Rent, there wouldn't be In the Heights, I want to say. So I, I think that's, that's a fair that's, point. That's, that's a good point. It's a fair point. And finally, in round three, it's Hades Town versus the Book of Women again. <laughs> How did we get here, ladies and gentlemen? How is this yeah. the world I'm living in? I feel like Persephone. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the in the underworld for half of this bracket. Uh, go ahead, Curtis. What are you voting for? This one's really hard for me. I don't understand why it's not hard oh, for God. you. Oh, God. Really? It's I, not hard at all. It's not even close to hard. I truly love Book of Mormon. It is one of my favorite Top, top three. Top three musicals oh of God. all time. See more musicals. <laughs> I have seen a lot of musicals, Kevin, and I sing. Thank you. Um, it is... Okay. I, yeah. I love both of them. I truly do. I, I think Hadestown takes a story that is old, uh, old as time, literally. Like, <laughs> old as recorded time from Greek mythology, which I also adore, and... It puts it on a new stage like it's it's beautiful it's so well sung the book of mormon takes an entire religion and flips it on its fucking head and makes fun of it in a way that is catchy and you sing about it like it's it's oh god go to someone else i it probably doesn't matter hades right? town it doesn't matter what i say so <laughs> kevin's hades town easy uh and how about you joelle oh hades town yeah yeah, um, this is one of those things, Curtis. It doesn't actually matter if I vote for Book of Mormon yep. because it's Hades Town is a one seed. It will advance. I will say now, with that being said, um, Kevin is dead wrong in that there's no other good songs of Book of Mormon. Every song of Spooky song. Mormon Hell Dream had me almost pissing my pants when I saw that in the audience the first time. I was like, I need to do this as a theme for a birthday party. Amazing. <laughs> um, Man Up is great. Uh, you and Me, but mostly me I is love amazing. That song. Turn it off is great. Salt, Salt Lake City. Yes. Um, like I'm, I'm missing. Like it goes on like this. They're all great songs. Um, uh, Hasadiga Ibuai. Yeah. Hasadiga. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you that one. That is a good song. But I'll give you that one. It doesn't matter because Hades Town is going to advance. I have maggots in my scrotum. We have our final four. <laughs> I believe they're all of our one seeds. I, yes, I believe they, that's where they we are. are. All one seeds. Wow. Yep. Oh, and, well, I I wouldn't have had it that way. But I know, wouldn't have either. I'm and I have sure that's what my bracket would look like. Oh, really? Yeah. Listeners, listeners, before we put this together, I took a screenshot of some very interesting information and sent it to Eric because not a single one of us had the same final four. Even I think no. that far back, nobody yeah. agreed on this podcast as to what should be the final winner or the final four. Which is why this is a long episode, and I'm sorry, but I hope you're all enjoying the arguments because we're passionate about this and we're having fun, but also hopefully giving you some some things to chew on. Um, I always like to take a step back now and take and look at our our final four to see if it's how I thought we would get there. It's rare that we have all number one seeds make it to the final four. Usually, someone gets knocked out at this point. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think for as much as I've said about Hades town, I do think that it is benefiting from recency bias. Mm-hmm. And I think if we did this five years from now, I don't think it would be a one seed. I think it'd be still high two feet, two, three, but I don't think it would be a one seed. That said, I absolutely think that Hamilton, Les Mis and Rent are, are, are all deserving. We've got one that's 2010s, one that's 1980s or 90s is Les Mis 80s. 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 Yeah. And rent is 90s. So you, you've got two 2000s, Kevin. You've got two pre-2000. Nothing from the 1950s or 60s. I think that's probably number one um, indicative of the makeup of this panel. Uh, yeah. But also number two, when you go back and listen to the real classics from the 50s and 60s, while they are classics, I don't think that they're as relevant or stand up to the level of excitement and artistry that we're seeing in some of the modern musicals. And you can come for me on that. That's completely fine. But like I listened to like (laughs) music man and King and I, and my fair lady soundtracks and they're all great, but I don't think they're um, the music. I don't think is impressive as some of the stuff that we've, we've encountered in the past 40 years. That's just me putting that out there with that said, we're moving on to the final battles, Hamilton versus Les Mis Curtis Creekmore. Where do you come down? Oh, no. Uh, Okay. While I appreciate Hamilton and what Hamilton did for musical theater, I am staunchly against Lin-Manuel Miranda singing. He (laughs) cannot Curtis, I agree. I don't agree agree with you. I so agree. Stop. I agree. And- it, there is a level of narcissism that goes into putting yourself in your own musicals when you are not talented. You are oh. very talented Ooh, at creating he's good, music. He's, he's good at the rapping part oh, of it. He just can't sing. He cannot sing. And I like I understand that Hamilton is mostly a rapped musical. Appreciate that. Okay, stick to that piece. Do not attempt to try to sing it. It was the same argument that I had with In the Heights. Don't. Just don't. However, I still think that Hamilton is a better musical than Les Mis, and that is saying something. I still think Hamilton is better. Wow. You just took me on the worst journey of my life. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, where are we going with this? Worse than the journey that happens in Les Mis, where people are just (laughs) getting killed and raped and imprisoned for bread. Blood of angry men. Exactly right, Joelle. Um, I mean, Hamilton is 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 wonderful. I I I will forever love Hamilton. I really will. But Les Mis is in my heart. It is in my soul. I uh, every every song, every song, top to bottom. Les Mis is phenomenal, and it is epic. And I I realize Hamilton is also epic. It's just very complicated. But it's Les Mis. Kevin. Company. (laughs) (laughs) Try again. Try again. Y'all wanted a twist, eh? Twist, eh? Let's get sickening. No, and thank you for putting up with my, uh, the one passionate argument that I had was against Book of Mormon. I know y'all love it, and I'm sorry. It's fine. I want to be kind. All is forgiven. That's what Zinu told me to do. do. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you, Scientology. Um... (laughs) Um, this is hard because the answer is really neither for me. <laughs> I mean, same. Um, if we're going to do that, then let's put Dear yeah. Evan Hansen back on the board. 
Well, no, 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 no. let's <laughs> okay. not go there. Okay, Kevin. She went out and ra- she went out in round one, like she deserved. Um, Cabaret back on the board if we're going. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess if I'm going between these two, I have seen them both live. Um, and to be honest with you, I was slightly disappointed by both of them live. Um, I saw Hamilton touring, so I will name that. And that could have had an impact on it. Um, I also saw Les Mis on the West End um, with one of the, um, oh God, who are those hot three brothers? Uh, the Jonas, the Jonas brothers. brothers. Oh. Yeah, I saw oh, one yeah. of them. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Wow. Nick? I think it was, I think it was Nick. Nick. Yeah. He was definitely on the Yeah. Mis. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go, uh, I think I'm going to go Les Mis. <sighs> Okay, so this is going to be fun because um, I'm going to go with Hamilton here. And oh, here's my yeah. reasoning. I've seen Les Mis on Broadway, and I mentioned this in one of the previous rounds. Les Mis, the songs are amazing. Les Mis, the show is grueling. It is it's like <laughs> punishment. It's like going to confession but paying $90 to sit in the back row to do it. Um, it it's just um, – it, it is not a pleasant experience. Hamilton, on the other hand um, – culturally i think it blows broadway wide open um there is a certain argument to be made that um very privileged white people are like huge hamilton heads and uh, does that really jive with how it's bringing multicultural but yes it does because it's it's for all cultures right um and I think, you know, the, the racially blind casting, um, taking a story about the founding fathers and making it relevant to communities of color who were at the point when the people were talking about enslaved are now like playing these incredibly important historical figures. That's incredibly subversive and powerful. Um, I think the story is really well told. I understand the arguments against Lin-Manuel Miranda's singing voice, but he is surrounded by incredible talent on that show. Incredible talent. And um, I think those all buoy him. I think that the staging is really cool in a lot of ways. It's a very simple set, but it's really evocative. The whole thing about the bullet, which the first time I watched it, I didn't fully catch it. But the second time I watched it, do you know what I'm talking about with the bullet? Yes. Um, that's amazing. That's brilliant. And I think there's so much intelligence. The songs are really memorable in, 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 um, Hamilton. It's funny. I think Hamilton, yes, it's got recency bias towards it, but I think it, it is a uh, superlative example of the Broadway art form. And for that reason, it, it, to me, it's overly Miz, which has amazing songs, but a, not a great staging. I mean, one of them, one of them, uh, th- now here's my, my problem with Hamilton. And I know that people have come for it for this and I, I don't care if like, but it has poorly developed female characters. Now sure. you can say to you can say to me that Les Mis, all the women are whores. Sure. But at least they have interesting stories. <laughs> right, 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 right. Not all, not all of them, but like that's could be an argument that you make potentially, but like, is is that Hamilton just does nothing with the women and I'm sorry you could have you could have done something you could have made one of the people who was played who were played by the same guy twice a woman you could have done something interesting with your show and he just chose not to and it really kind of bums me out in all honesty it's something that I just don't connect with because it's like so hyper masculine of a story that I'm just like 
when I saw it, I love the music. I, I, the same way you feel about Les Mis with the music is the same way I feel about Hamilton. I think the staging is interesting, but I was kind of bored halfway through Hamilton. I'm not going to lie. I was never bored when in I Ham- saw it. I was never bored in Hamilton. I was bored in Les Mis during parts. I will say this about the women in, in Hamilton. Number one, you're dealing with historical subject matter. Right. And like literally in the Skylar Sister song, she says like, well, I'm going to meet Thomas Jefferson and get women in the sequel to the Declaration of Independence. But also, how does the entire show end? The entire show ends making the point that really the legacy of Alexander Hamilton is the legacy of his wife, who after he was killed, went on and founded like an orphanage mm-hmm. and did all of this work for kids like so give her more musical numbers she has plenty the the women do get a decent amount of musical numbers in act two in act two she's there pretty much as much as 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 he is one of the one of the best one of the best ones for women was not even in the show which is the angelica satisfied song that made it just to like the later cut Mm. I mean, that one, why was that not in the show? Why didn't they cut one of the many, 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 many <laughs> male songs? Ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's my problem. It's one of my big problems with Hamilton, and then regardless that's of how it ends. That's fair. So I'm going to go back around. Joel, are you sticking with Les Mis? I have to stick with Les Mis. Yeah. Kevin, you're sticking with Les Mis. I am. Curtis, you're sticking with Hamilton. Yes. So we are deadlocked right now, and we can't have a tie going forward. In the interest of wrapping up this episode, I will switch my vote to Les Mis, but I think it's the wrong call. Kevin, and I think Kevin, people Eric. right now are going to be... Kevin, can I make an argument as to why you shouldn't switch your Please, vote? yes. In these, everywhere else, all the way up until this point, we have always said that the higher seed moves forward, right? Yes. Hamilton is the overall highest seed it is the That's number one one seed yeah lay is, is, is the second highest one seed that's fair so it got that's the most vote point i think we should let the listeners break the tie okay that's I love fair that. so my one contention with that is that we on, on the second bracket that's number three and number four at the top and now we're saying three is somehow better than two i I don't like the math is all I'm Sorry. saying. Sorry, can you explain that a little bit better? Because I can, what do you mean by three and four? <laughs> so uh, so we are we are comparing Hamilton against Les Mis. So they are on yep. the left side of the bracket. Yep. They are one and two. Correct. Based on what I'm seeing in the numbers here. Yes. And Rent and uh, Hadestown are three and four. Correct. So what we're saying is it's okay for number two to lose to one, but then we're going to put number three against it. And it just doesn't. That that number oh, doesn't I see make what sense you're to saying. Me. Potentially, it's just sense. yeah, it's kind of the way that brackets are set up. Like if you look at a March Madness bracket, that's the way. Like each top seed, so every number one gets their own portion or quadrant of the bracket, and eventually, I mean, they very well may have to play against each other. And in March Madness, it always works out that you can't have a tie. But in this case, like ultimately, these four teams, quote unquote, were the highest vote getters in the order of Hamilton, then Les Mis then Town, then Rent. Those were the top four overall, but they're all still number one seeds in their portion yeah. of the bracket. It's just yeah. another way to break the tie. Eric, Which if I you like. truly believe that Les Mis is better than Hamilton, I don't. vote for it. I don't. No, that's the thing. Like, Honest to God, it, I've seen both of these shows and I was more bored in Les Mis, even though I love the music, than I was in Hamilton. And I really, truly believe Hamilton is the superior show. And so did everybody else that voted for it. So with by a bit. I mean, I we're talking, good. we're yeah. splitting hairs right now. We are literally like Fantine cutting off our our, 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 our hair. That's what we're doing. 
why Franks may save my poor Cosette. So um, with that said, we're going to advance Hamilton and it's Rent versus Town final battle. Well, not the final battle, the almost final battle, penultimate. Um, Kevin. I can't have two 2010s musicals in the final fucking two. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I just can't. Like, this is bananas to me. And talk about recency bias. I just can't. Rent. Yeah. Joelle. Um, yeah, no, no. Rent, yeah. Curtis. I think I agree. Rent. Yeah, to me, it's not even a question. It, it's it's rent, and and I, I I haven't seen Hades Town, but we haven't really talked that much about rent. And now that we're here at the final two, it's Hamilton versus Rent, which I think is a great final two. Um, I do want to speak on on rent for a second because we've kind of hinted a little bit a bit. Uh, Joel mentioned, you know, the, the really story of that bringing it to the stage, the whole tragedy of Jonathan Larson. But rent is so I was uh it came out in nineteen ninety six. Is that six. correct? Yep. So year I graduated high school, I'm a teenager, uh, gay but not out, although I was always out, let's, let's be honest. But like this show um, was incredibly powerful if you were alive and be either sexually active or becoming sexually active as a young person in the United States during the AIDS epidemic. Like this show and then Jonathan Larson's story on top of it was like, whoa, it really captured um, what was going on for young adults in this country in the cities at that time in a way I don't think any other art form did like honestly yes it, it certainly captured like the really struggling areas it's La Bohème after all but um there's so much truth and beauty and pain in Rent that to me um it, it's it's like musical version of Angels in America. I mean, that's a terrible comparison. But in terms of the cultural resonance, at least from where I'm coming from, those two pieces of art are peerless on the stage. Um, so I'm going to go around the horn. Curtis, where are you on this? Uh, uh, you know what? Lin-Manuel Miranda can't sing. I vote for Rent. Okay, I'll take that. Uh, Joelle. <laughs> yeah, no, uh <sighs> Yeah, it's rent. I, I've run out Oof. of words. It's rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> Kevin? Well, I just looked at your bracket, Eric, and someone has the final two who are the final two. Hmm. <laughs> like, Curtis mm. always accuses me of deliberately playing these things. <laughs> when we're in the mix, kids, I'm not even I'm not even looking at the brackets. I'm <laughs> I'm listening to the arguments and I'm rolling with the puzzle punches. I truly don't know if I believe that, but for today, because it has been so fucky the entire time, I don't think that he possibly could have made this happen if he wanted to, Kevin. If if I was trying to orchestrate this, I assure you, I would have been trying to pull my weight. I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm only kidding. Um, it's not Hamilton. It's, <laughs> it's not Hamilton. I do like that none of us had Hamilton at the end. I'm just, it, I'm noticing. Yeah, it's just, it's just not, it's, it's not the best musical, of all, musical Tony winner of all time. It's Rent. Does anybody else want to say anything about Rent? I know we've run very long on this episode, but I don't feel like we've given it a lot of actual discussion. Yeah. I, I do. I think it's really, it's a really special show. I think I know I talked about it, like, you know, seeming cliche at this point, but the fact that what it represented, I think when it won, um, if you look at television shows like, um, so uh, Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story that centered on Andrew Cunanan mm. um, that starred um, Darren Chris. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of people misunderstood what that show was going to be about, but what it essentially does and talks about is um, 
homophobia and the perception of queer most I, I mean in that show mostly gay fo- gay men and uh in the 90s and, and and how the hiv and aids epidemic impacted um the movement of uh, the experiences for folks who were bohemian in the 90s and i think what rent does and did especially at that time to be celebrated and honored um is incredibly special now I, I think the Tonys have always done a, good, a sort of good job honoring queer work or queer artists. Um, and, and I think, but I think this like really lives that. I think Rent, honoring Rent lived counter to what most of the rest of America was thinking about this community. So honoring this show in 1996 when it won was a really special moment. Um, the cast is incredible. The songs are incredibly memorable. It, it It's a special show. And I, I think sometimes we, take again, take it for granted. And I think it's something not to be taken for granted because it is, it is heartfelt and lovely and it's about friendship and we need to lean into a show like this maybe a little bit more um, because it feels more personal. So... I'm I'm happy that this is the end winner because it it is it's a show about love and kindness and caring and taking care of your community so, and each other and each other yeah yeah Kevin that was so beautiful everything yeah, you just was. said I just want to co-sign like every single thing you just said is so true and this show I mean Jonathan Larson literally poured his life into yeah. this show and it shows this is a human being just continuing on forever and like think of what he would have created if he had not been taken away from this from, by this plague think of that entire generation of artists and I mean rent is kind of this living memorial to an entire generation of queer artists that were wiped out. And um, I think that's part of why it has this power. It really is. um, I think your point about us taking it for granted, and I've been guilty of that too. Like, and I was like, does Rent, is Rent even still relevant in, you know, the 2010s? But Rent is still relevant. And it should be. It totally is. And I think um, for people who are coming up who didn't live through the AIDS epidemic, Mm -hmm. which good for you, um, I, I think it's, so important to watch that story especially if you're young and queer watch this version find it don't watch the movie um <laughs> oh, like no 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 find an actual stage version of it to watch i'm sure there are dvds of the of the original cast i think my partner has them he's obsessed with the show that's not why i picked it um Hi, Ryan. But um, th- th- <laughs> like, watch it because you have to understand, and I am a big proponent of honoring those who came before us. And Rent does that um, more beautifully and more honestly than most art of any kind, visual, audio, whatever. It is a beautiful marriage of both musical and theater. And for that reason, I think it is the perfect winner for this. So uh, any other words from Curtis or, or Joelle? Yeah, I just wanted to add it's also – it also honors what came before it in, in the opera world, because sure. I mentioned this in the first part, but La Boheme was obviously the inspiration that the characters are the same. And there's, if you've ever seen a production of La Boheme, you can really feel that, that parallel, which is just, it's really cool when you know this story and then you go in to see something that you don't understand at all and you can make sense of it. Art echoes and hopefully it amplifies. So Curtis, anything for you? 
the one thing that I would say, it's really funny because like they came out with that movie, was it called Team America? And they made yeah. fun of Rent. Yes. The, and like the song was called AIDS, Everybody. AIDS, AIDS. Yeah, oh everybody God. has Everybody's AIDS. got AIDS. Yes. Well, guess what, Mimi? They all did. Like, right. I don't think people truly understood that Rent came from a real place. Everybody yeah. in the queer community had fucking AIDS in the 80s. Right. Everybody was dying. That's why yeah. you don't have the elders that are teaching you and walking you through nature and talking about what happened because they passed away. So use Rent. Watch Rent and love Rent because it teaches you about what came before you and what could happen again if we don't learn from our mistakes. Yeah, it's more Curtis, than- you know. You know who wrote Team America? <laughs> I knew he was going with this. <laughs> I knew he was going for it. <laughs> Say it, Kevin. The same people who wrote Book of Mormon. That's right. Congratulations. Well, one of those was good and the other one was, you know, honestly not that bad because it's all- <laughs> Subversive bullshit. I'm only Book of Mormon having the last word on this. Come on. Exactly. No. (laughs) But I'm only teasing. It does what uh, rent does what good art should do, which is that it it speaks to us on a on a more human level than just art, right? So, with that being said, that is it. That's our pick for the best Tony winner for best musical. It's Rent. Do you agree? Do you want to take us or leave us? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming soon, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. I want to say thank you to my panel. Thank you for being in the room or at least the recording session where it happened. And thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider subscribing Supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and you get an episode an entire day early. We hope that you have a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. Bye. Bye.